Hey there, and welcome to Echo City Church's podcast. Our mission is to echo the heart of God to those far from Him so that you can find your purpose and your belonging. So let's get into the word here from our new sermon series, Campfire Stories. Come on. How many are excited about the new series, Campfire Stories? I don't know about you, but I am stoked. Hey, if you don't know who I am, my name is Joel Sosa. Uh, me and my wife, Nicole, we get to pastor this beautiful thing. We are co-pastors. A lot of people call my wife pastor's wife. Listen, in this house, she's not pastor's wife. She's pastor. I'm going to say that again because I think, I thought, girls, you missed the opportunity. Because we believe at this church women are just as important as men and believe they have a calling at the same moment. My wife, we co-pastor this thing. Uh, she makes us better. And I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm so excited to be doing this with my wife. She's killing it. But I want to tell you today uh, one big thing. I, I, I believe you make this church better. And I, I, I could come up here and I could be preaching to myself, and that's not fun at all. And we believe church should be enjoyed and not endured. Amen? We've been to too many churches where you have to endure it. And I don't know about you. I'm done with those type of churches. Hello. And if you are that type of church and you're online, that's your, you just take it up with Jesus. He'll talk to you. But hey, I'll tell you what, um, I'm excited about today. I'm excited about a new series. Um, to do this, I'm going to do a little bit of a, a different style uh, of teaching. Today, I'm going to start with the story of my own life. You see, I don't know, does anyone in this room like to hike? Is there any hikers in this room? If you're in Colorado, most, most people live in Colorado because they like to hike. They like to get outdoors. So my goal in life was to climb all the 14ers. Is there anyone that's like, man, I want to get to the top of a 14er one day? Just lift up your hand. I got one, two, three, four. <laughs> that went down dramatically. That's crazy. I love to hike, but not that much, Joel. So one of my goals was I just want to get to the top of the biggest mountain in Colorado. Now, if you don't know what the biggest mountain in Colorado, it's Mount Elbert. It's 14,000 and I think 36 feet tall. And for me, I'm like, my goal in life was I want to be a studly man because, listen, I'm not a hunter. The only hunting I do is shops at the mall. So I'm trying to be a manly man. So I was like, you know, I'm going to get to the top of Mount Elbert. Everything in me wanted to go to Mount Elbert. So I got a group of people. And uh, I I was with a bunch of people I really didn't know. And how many guys know when you start something, you probably should go with people you really know, Right. But as a group of people that I kind of knew, kind of didn't, but um, it was my family, not my, it was my mom, my dad, my brother, and so we all kind of went, and we started climbing Mount Elbert. Now, one thing you don't know is, on your way up, if you start seeing clouds, you're supposed to turn around and go back the other way. We didn't know that. So we're about ready to get to the top We are probably about 12,000 feet to the top, and we see the top on the horizon. But guess what? Not only that, but we saw storms coming over the hills. And then it began to rain. Not only rain, but thunder. And not only thunder, but lightning. Now, lightning is scary when you're down here, but it's more scary When you're up there, you are closer to getting struck by lightning. And so all of our people freaked out. 
So much so that all the toughest men in the group, I mean, these guys were the ones who were lifting. I mean, they were like the ones that can't even touch the top of their head because they lift so much. They're like, those guys booked it. First sign of lightning, they took off running. I'm like, and all these ladies are behind like, oh, no, what are we going to do? And they're gone. And I'm looking like, I'm not going to leave these guys behind because my philosophy is no man left behind, right? All the military people are like, come on, somebody. So I'm like, I'm not leaving. And what's, what's, what's the hardest part about this whole thing was this. They sat down, and the women begin to cry, and they begin to shake. And I was standing there with them. I'm like, and then I saw my best friend, who was a guy, who was doing the same, huddling, crying. I'm like, guys, we can't sit here. We can't stay here because if we stay here, there is more of an opportunity for us to die. I know it's a new thing, but lightning, electricity, and your body don't go well together. So we got to go. And so we got them all up, and we're walking, and we're, we're trying to traverse the mountains and going down this hill and lightning going on all around us, rain coming, people falling, breaking ankles, and I'm, we're carrying people, and all of a sudden we make it to the bottom. Can I just tell you how exciting it is when you're going to almost die and you actually live? You, man, everything gets put into perspective, right? We're like, praise God, we're down. You see, the night before, we were surrounded at a campfire, and every single one of us were just quiet. Not knowing what to say. We didn't know each other. But after that moment, after that moment, when we got down, how many guys know we had marshmallows, chocolate, graham crackers, and a lot of stories to go on? You see, at this series, I want to tell you that we're moving into campfire stories is this. We're going to study the book of James together for the next six weeks. I've never done this at Echo City Church. I usually do kind of topics, but we are just going to go kind of as many line-by-line excerpts from the book of James. Now, that the theme of James is this. It's faith in action. Faith in action. And, when, and, and, the, and the, let me tell you, the theme verse is this. James chapter 2, verse 17. They're going to throw it up for you and it says this so also by faith itself if it does not have works it is those ladies those guys on top of the mountain that would have just huddled would have died but how many guys know faith in action together makes a strong Christian and this is the cool thing and I want you to know this When you put your faith in action, when you start actually moving and start living what God has asked you to move, can I just say this? Faith in action makes for the coolest of stories. Amen. How many guys know when you get around the campfire and you catch the biggest fish for the day, you're not going to be like, you're not going to be quiet about it. You're going to be like, you guys had small fish. My fish was huge. Why? Because campfire stories make the funnest stories because it's all about action. I want to ask you today, is your faith stale? Is your faith stalled? 
And so what we're going to do is we're going to allow James to tell us how to move our faith into action. Because let me tell you, faith in action makes for the coolest stories. And I'll tell you what, I believe God has the coolest stories for every single one of you. And when we start living in that mentality, when we start walking in that mentality, we're going to see things we've never thought we would ever experience and see. Because can I tell you, God has a good plan for you today. Amen? He does. So... We're going to dive in. James chapter 1, we're going to start with verse 1. And we're going to dive in. I want to talk to you about your faith in action. For the next six weeks, your faith in action. So James starts it off like this. And a lot of people bypass this one and would go right to two. But I, I don't want to bypass this because I want to see, I want to show you something. I don't know if you know who James is. But James says he's a servant of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're a non-Christian in this room and maybe you got invited by a friend and you're like, I don't really believe in this thing, I'm, I'm going to tell you this verse should help you. Let me tell you why. James was not one of the disciples. James was actually the half-brother of Jesus. And James saw everything good and bad about Jesus and he said, listen, he said, I'm not just a brother of Jesus, but I'm a servant of him. Now, if you're a younger brother, you never look at your other, older brother and say, I'm a servant of my brother. My brother's name is Josh. I would never look at him and say, I'm your servant. No, 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 no. That's not how it goes. Amen? I would look at him and say, you serve me. Sibling rivalry. That's how it goes. But here James comes on the scene and he says this. I'm his brother. I want the world to know I'm his brother. And here I am. I want to serve him because can I tell you, the resurrection changed my life. And I believe it can change your life if you get a hang of it. And then he goes on. He says, not only am I the brother, but I want to tell you this. I want to speak to the church that's dispersed. I want to talk to the church that's scattered. You see, at this moment, the church in ancient times, you can see this in Acts chapter 8. If you want to write that down, go read it later. At this moment, the church was scattered because of the persecution that's happening. They're killing people left and right. And James goes, I want to talk to the church that's under fire today. I want to talk to the church that feels like they're going through it. I want to talk to the church that's not veneer and plastic. I want to talk to the church that actually has a little bit of pain going on in it. Because if I can talk to that church, I believe you are going to change the world. And so here he comes on the scene. He, James goes, I need to talk to the church that dispersed. I want to give them encouragement because I'll tell you what, can I say this? I believe when you're under the thickest fire is the, is the greatest opportunity for the greatest faith. And so James comes on the scene and he goes, I want to talk to them. And this is what I want to tell you. And verse, verse 2, this is where it gets exciting. Verse 2 he says, Hey, church, I know you're dispersed, but I want to tell you something. Count it all joy. Count it all joy when you're under trial. Count it all joy when there's trials of various kinds. Count it all joy. Now, how many of you guys know you're, you want to look at James and punch him in the face at this moment? Because you know, and I know, when you're going through trials, you're not like, yay! But he's like, and then he says this, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Another word is 
patience. And let your patience have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking, everyone say it with me, nothing. This is the hardest thing. A lot of people don't see the value of trials. And I'm here to tell you, I can't wait for you to go through them. I'm going to pray we all leave right now. And Lord, I thank you. I'm totally joking. Some people are like, that's it? But see, I, I think a lot of times, a lot of us don't see the value of trials anymore. And, and, and to be honest with you, I feel like we've undervalued the joy in your life that could come from trials. And we've underestimated how patience leads us to joy. And trials is what it takes to get complete joy. A lot of us, we don't, I mean, I'll, not a lot of us, maybe it's just me. I have underestimated the value of trials in my life and the joy that comes from it. You see, and I'll tell you why. In my 20s, um, I didn't really see the world as this like grisly, difficult, ugly place. Because let me tell you, if you're in your 20s, you don't think much outside of your circle. Take it on the chin. Everyone knows it. When you're in your 20s, how many guys know who's out of your 20s? Can you help me with a good amen? In your 20s, all you thought about was you. Thank you. There's like the 30-year-olds in the back corner over there. Thank you. And it's okay. I understand that because when you're in your 20s, you're just trying to make it in life, man. You're going through it. It's struggling, but you're just so... I'm just going through it, man. How many times have I talked to a 20-year-old, man? I'm just going through it. I need some prayer, Pastor Joel. Can you pray for me? And I always say this statement, and they hate it. So don't come to me asking for prayer because I'm going to ask you this statement. So just get ready. If you ever come to me saying, I'm under attack, I'm under fire, I need prayer, I'm going to look at you. I'm going to say, how do you want me to pray for you? You're going to say, well, I'm, I, want, I'm, I want out of it. Isn't that right? We always, I want out of it. My 20s, I, all I wanted was out of it. And I'm going to say, okay, you can get out of it, but you're going to experience it again. Or I can pray that you get out of it what you need to get out of it to get inside of you what you need to get inside of you. Because if you can get what you need to get in this season, you won't have to do it again. So how do you want me to pray? So in my 20s, I was like, I just went out of it. I undervalued the power of joy in my life. In, in my 30s, I'm going somewhere. In my 30s, I was too busy trying to achieve something in my life that I didn't value the joy of just being in the day. And I wanted, I wanted more. I want more and I want it. I was Veruca Salt and I want it now. I want more. And so I wanted more relationships. I wanted more connections. I wanted more encouragement. I wanted more. Everything was more and more and more so much that when I didn't get the more, I got discouraged. And when I got discouraged, I didn't even enjoy what I was doing. So in my 40s, hello, we're in our 40s. Come on, somebody. Who's my, where's my 40s at? I just entered into that crowd. You're my crowd now. 
But in my 40s, I'm starting to say, why would I do what I have to do if I don't enjoy it? And so joy has changed for me. The idea of joy has changed for me because what I used to think of joy was joy was going to be discovered in life. But what I realized is that joy is actually developed. And it's developed when I recognize the value of trials. See, the more you combat the feeling inside of you, the less you recognize the joy of when you go through it, what it's creating inside of you. And so when I'm looking at this, I think a lot of us, we just want to be blessed. God, I just want the blessings. I, I want the blessings over my life. You, you say, we say statements like, especially pastors, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. We say stuff like this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think according to the power that's at work within us. And we're like, God, I know you said you're going to bless me. And I want the blessings and I can't wait for the blessings. But what happens when what you feel is a blessing looks like a brutal mess? And you're like, man, I thought you were going to give me a blessing. And God's like, listen, I am. I'm putting you through some brutal days so that you can have better days later on. Oh, but now, but we want the blessing. And my experience is this. My experience is this. This is what I've noticed. Is God can't bless our natural beyond what's happening inside of us in our spiritual and while a lot of us want a natural blessing and God's saying, I want you to have a natural blessing, but if I give you that natural blessing, it's like giving a toddler keys to a car. I'm never going to give toddlers keys to the car. You know why? Because it's smart. Right? I know that's a sarcastic statement, but let's be real. How many times are we saying, God, give me people in my life to minister to, but yet you don't even know how to minister to yourself? And James is coming on the scene and he's like, listen, I understand Ephesians 3.20, but there's a Ephesians 3.21. That yeah, he's going to bless you. Far above you, which you can ask or imagine. But to him, the whole reason you're blessed is to be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout what? All generations forever and ever. Amen. You see, he wants to mature you. And he does it with patience. So my title today is this. That was just the intro. My title is this. The Pathway to Mature Joy. <laughs> Everyone wants fickle joy. Everyone wants fake joy. Everyone wants veneer joy. But my saying today is I believe the best joy is the mature joy. The mature joy. So to do that, I, I want to talk to you about this message. And the, and the reason why is, um, you know, when I first started this church, I had a lot to say. I, we've been doing this for over three years now. Come on, somebody. Isn't that great? And so... I, I had a lot to say, and things just came to me, and I would just write it down. But, you know, it's funny. As I went back and I listened to some of the stuff I said, I deleted a whole year of my messages. You know why? Because 
they weren't mature. I'm just going to be real. I listened to myself, and I'm like, oh, people had to listen to me. Poor things. And I, I kind of didn't really recognize the, the, the thought process I was going on. And so when I started making this message, I said, I don't want a superficial veneer message. I don't want to just kind of get up here and say, have joy in your trials. God bless you. Let's go on our way. I wanted to give you helpful tools that's going to go with you for life. But all I had when I created this message on all the way up until last night, hear me, was the fake veneer messages that pastors get up and preach about that you're going to make it, get over it, you're on your way to see great, and, and then they walk off the stage and you're left saying, I don't understand it yet. And I never wanted that, so I'm diving in deep. And if you've ever been a part of, if there's a creative in this room, if you're a creative, that creative process of making something great is hard. And a lot of the times, my, my job is faith and action. Every time I step on the stage, I'm like, God, I hope you say something to me because they need it. And let me tell you, faith, listen, creative process comes down. I don't take it up and say, I'm going to make you tell, I'm going to say this and you just got to bless it. No, 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 no. My process is I have to step back and say, God, I want to hear from you because if I hear from you, give me a spark. If I can get a spark, I can do something with you. But can I tell you, a lot of us, we get our creative process. We're going up to God saying, give it to me. But mine is, God, I need you to download it into me so I can give it to them. And so it's hard because let me tell you, some days it doesn't come until Saturday night at 4 o'clock at night. And I'm sitting here this week frustrated, angry at God. I'm like, God, I'll give you my house. I'll give you my kids. You can have my car. Take my dogs. Take whatever. I just need something from you. That's a joke. I wouldn't give, you know, not just for a message. But I, I was getting frustrated, okay? And so I'm sitting there at, at 3 o'clock, and I go downstairs you talk about trials. These are various colors of trials, various types of trials. I went down to my wife. I said, God doesn't love me. And I looked at her and I said, you're preaching. And I walked away. <laughs> you think I'm joking. You can ask my wife. I looked at her and said, I don't have anything. I'm hitting a brick wall. It's done. God doesn't call me anymore. It's over. And she looked at me and she goes, well, let's stop. Let's, let's stop. And she said this to me. She goes, have you prayed? Yeah, which really I didn't. I'm being honest. I'm like, did, she's like, did you worship? And I'm like, yeah, because I'm a three and I don't want to look stupid. If you don't know what that means, an Enneagram three is somebody who wants to achieve and perform. And so I'm a performer. I'm like, yeah, I prayed for five hours and nothing came. But really on the inside, it's a lie. And she goes, you're lying. I go, Yeah. There's a reason why I'm going through this, and I want you to hear me. Some people are like, where's this going? You'll hear me. Have you ever hit a place in your life where you feel like it's just a brick wall? Have you ever hit a place in your life where you're feeling like, man, I don't know what to do? Have you ever hit a place in your life where you're like, God, if you don't talk to me, I don't know what's going to happen? This is where I was at. You know what's funny is we put on the worship music, and I sat there, and I was like, God, I just need you to speak to me. Just tell me, just give me a spark. And he goes, read James 5, which we haven't read yet. James 5 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, 
If any of you has lack of wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, without respect. God is not a respect of me over you. He's a respecter of every single one of you. And he wants to give you good gifts. He's a good, good father. It's who he is. And what? It will be given to him. So I, I, I read that. I was like, oh, yeah, there's that. So I came to God, and this is why I'm saying all of this. I went to God. I said, I'm here. I need something. And he goes, good. Now you understand the value of patience. <laughs> I said, have I? He's like, the thing is this. You had a good message that was adolescent in nature but I couldn't wait to give you the mature message and so you needed to wait to feel the pain of what other people have to feel when they're under trial when they're under pain when they're under frustration and if you don't feel their pain what's good for you to get up here and preach there's no good reason you needed to have a little bit of patience so that you could get up and understand celebrate with those that celebrate weep with those that weep your love needed to be genuine and it wouldn't have been genuine you would have just got up here and preached you see this is the thing I still am learning patience every single day and the problem with that is this I believe our culture loves the comfort and the ease of life so much that when God wants to give us patience we don't want it but we pray prayers like this, God, I want to go to the next level with you. And God's next level is always littered with trials. Whoo! Then why would we go to the next level? Because I am into the, into the need and understanding that I want complete joy, not just adolescent joy. I want complete joy. And the way complete joy says, man, if I can make it through this season, it can give me hope for the next season. I don't have to keep going back and keep going and, and try, we're not going to make it. He's saying you can make it. You've got it. You have it. Patience, man. Patience is a hard thing, though, right? Anyone ever have go through that season where God's trying to teach you patience? Oh, it's the best season, amen? You're laughing because you know it isn't. The other ones that aren't laughing are like, do, do I have to go through that? <laughs> yeah, because no one wants it. But let's be real. I think a lot of times we think that God is just going to come down. We're just going to have peachy roses life. But let's be real. That's not true life. Life is greasy. Life is brutal. Life is messy. But can I tell you, you're not going to get the miracle without the the wilderness. You're not going to have the the better mentality without the brutal days. And I would rather switch my life not to just have better days without brutal days because then I am fake and I'm false and I'm veneer and I'm tired of being plastic. I don't know about you, but I'm human. I have a heartbeat. There's something beautiful in me that God wants to bring to this world, and the only way I'm going to see it is through patience. You see, I, you see, there's, patience is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. And one of them is patience. But I'm going to tell you, patience only grows in your life through trials. You see, I'm a better dad because I've been through some stuff. I'm a better person because I've been through some 
stuff. You see, I looked up the word patience in what we, the Greek, in the Greek dictionary. And the word patience, the word steadfast here is hoopon. Hoopon. H-U-P-O-N-E. And the definition, I'm going to read this so I don't mess it up. The definition of hoopon is this, to remain under. To remain under. What I believe God is trying to say is if you can learn to remain under the pressure, to remain under the pain, to remain under the treasure, that there is something that's going to be complete in you that you would never see without it. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, you know what mature joy is? Mature joy is the one that doesn't run. Patience will never be accomplished unless you remain under. See, James said this. He says, count it all joy, brothers, when you go under pressure, when you go under trials. Count it all joy because it's turning into patience. And guess what? That is what we call, he says, the testing of your faith. That word, testing your faith, is this. Here, hear me today. I'm teaching today. Is that okay? Am I helping anyone today? Good. I got five, six people. I'm going to preach to you today. The testing of your faith is this. It's a silversmith's term, a silversmith's term. Somebody back in the day that worked with metal. And that term testing is this. It was where they would grab the silver, they would put it in a, in, a, in a basin, and underneath the basin, they would put extreme fire underneath it. And as that fire would burn, you like my fire? As that fire would burn, and as it began to melt the silver, the pure silver went down to the bottom. And all the impurities would come up to the top. And so the silversmith would wipe away the impurities with a filter and put it down. And then he would wait. More would come up. He would grab the filter, wipe away the impurities, and wait over and over again. And it said that they would do this as many times as it takes until the silversmith was able to see his own reflection in the metal. see some of you that are in this room today when we see fire we run but he's saying listen if you allow the fire if you remain under fire that impurity that you've always hated, that sin that continues to come into your life and you're saying, God, I wish it would come out of me. That impurity inside of you, that person that you don't, you know you don't like. And let's be real, every single one of us have that person in us that we don't like. Amen. I don't care if you're a Christian or non-Christian in this room. You know that ugly part of you that you have, that evil part of you, that insidious part of you that you're like, man, I really want it out of me. You see, I want you to understand that fire that's underneath you, that fire that you're going through is rising up all the impurities inside of you. And Jesus is saying, okay, now it's, you're going to notice and it's time to take it away. And what's going to happen is the more he takes it away, God is going to be able to see his reflection inside of you for this world world. 
And the more it keeps happening, the more, oh, it just keeps coming. It's getting closer. And our goal at this church is not to be the church that is all about us. Our goal at this church is to be about them that aren't here yet. That I want to be a perfect reflection of God's love to my world. So, God, if I have to go under fire, it's not for me. It's for them that's out there. You see, you, some of you don't even understand the power of God yet. And the only way you're going to understand that God is a healer is that means that you have to have something to be healed the only way you're ever going to see God as a friend is you're going to have to be lonely the only way you're ever going to be able to find your way through is you got to see God as a way maker and the only way to do that is to go through fire you can see God in a way you've never seen before moving God in a way you've never moved before because I'll tell you what fire filters your faith you want a strong faith stay under fire I thought people would stand up at that point. Uh, Listen, I'm telling you, a lot of people are like, I don't want to go through trials. I don't want to go through pain. But can I tell you, the best thing you can do is embrace the fire. Let God begin to rip out of you the things you don't like and I don't like and begin to see God in a new way. That's why James says, count it all joy when you're under trials because when you're under trials God's making you into something greater most preachers wouldn't say that but I'm going to tell you I love it my mature my 40 year old self my old man Joel is coming out of me the gray's coming in my beard and I'm starting to enjoy some fire lately I used to run from fire. Anyone like me? When it fire hits you, think. I got three people in the back. That's cool. I, we want to run from fire. We want to we bolt with fire. And God's saying, if you can remain under fire, you can become what I've called you to be. Because fire, you might want to write this down, fire builds you for your fight. Fire builds you for your fight. You know, you know, you know, patience is as a muscle. Obviously, I don't know much about muscle because I don't have it. <laughs> it's a joke. But what I what I'm realizing is this. Uh, what I'm what I'm seeing is this: is that I think a lot of people just like working out. It's difficult. The next day you're sore. The next day you want to give up. The next day you just want to run on your way. Because how many of you guys know you, you see all of your imperfections when you're working out? <laughs> Can I tell you the problem and the enemy to your progress with God and your enemy to your progress in life is always perfection. Is there anyone like me? Maybe this is a therapy class for me. That when you see what you're lacking, you notice that more than what you have. And I think that's why I love verse 5. He says, hey, if you feel like you're lacking something, if you feel like you're lacking wisdom, why don't you just come to me and talk to me? See, I think we discount prayer because we don't see prayer happening right away, but I believe God wants us to run to the Father, not because he needs you to. It's because you need to go to your Father and be fathered a little bit. 
The best advice I can give you is when you feel like you don't know what to do, run to the one who does, and that's your father. And listen, I'll tell you, run to the father, and he'll help you through things. And that's why I love the next session. I think today, now more than ever, there's such a pressure to be perfect. There's such a pressure. Can I tell you, when I get up here, there's such a pressure to be perfect. Because I get down and people come up to me and they're like, it was good. No, it was great. You're just not good enough to listen to what I have to say. <laughs> I'm totally joking. But I, I feel like, and this is what James goes into next. And go home and read James 1. You see, 6 through 8, he looks at you and says, hey, listen, if you ask for wisdom, don't be a person who doubts. Don't be a person that has the pressure of poverty in their life. And he goes, if you, if, don't be like someone who says, God, I think you can do it. Believe, man, God is a God of the impossible. And if, he's, if he says he's going to do it, he will do it. Go to God and don't have the pressure of poverty over your life. Believe, man, whatever I'm lacking, you can give me. You can give me all wisdom that I need. And listen, help me, God, help me. Even say this, God, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Mark 9. Help me in my unbelief. And also this, he goes on to the next one. I, don't, I wish I had more time. But in James... 9 through 11, it says this, that those that are rich need to realize something today. That that riches is going to fail. And don't look to pleasure. Don't look to comfort. Don't look to ease. Because when you're dead, that's going to fade away. So today, I, I really want to dive in because I want to get to chapter chapter 1 verse 12 of James he says if you can remain under put it up if you can remain under he says blessed is the man who remains patient there it is under trial for when he has stood the test he will receive what the crown of life which God has promised to those who what love him See, and this is the statement today. I, I could not wait. And today, I really want to set you free from perfection. I want to set you free from believing that you have to be a part of a system. And that system has to be perfect. That you have to have the right structure and the right frame and the right beauty and the right mentality and the right spirit to be able to be used by God. That's, can I tell you, you do not have to be perfect. But can I tell you what you need to be? And this is it. The power to your progression is always in your presence and in your position. God says this, if you can remain under, I will show you a love that you've never experienced before. I will show you the crown of life. You see, the reason why you experience so many death is because when fire comes, you run. But if you can stay under, I have the crown of life waiting for you. Yeah, it may be ugly now, but your position is not in the now, it's in the 
not yet. And listen, we're so worried about the now that we're missing the not yet. I would rather get my life ready for when I see Jesus because when I see him, he has something so beautiful. He has a mansion. He has something so incredible waiting for me. I'm going to walk in the door and say, I have remained under your love. I have remained under your presence. And that's all that matters today. That's all that matters today. You see, and I'm going to end with this verse. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, how do we do this, Joel? We position ourselves in God right now. We're going to be present because we're going to look to him, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, the mature joy, the mature pathway to joy, said this, that I was set before him and he endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated, hello, at the right hand of the throne of God. Today I want to tell you, Jesus loved you so much that he positioned himself between you and your sin. The power of your position in the room. Let me ask you. I think God wants to do something in you today. He wants to position himself in your life. And with every eyes closed, no one looking around, I have to ask this question. If you're in the room and you're saying, Joel, that's great, but I haven't positioned myself next to my father. And if that's you, I just, I just want you to, if every eye is closed, please don't look around. If you're in this room and you say, I just need to position myself back in my father's arms. Lift your hand up, lift your hand up, lift your hand up, lift your hand up. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, lift them up. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, let's give these people an awesome praise to stepping out in faith. But I want you, everyone in this room, to do this simple thing. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I give myself to you. I repent of my sins and I move forward to the next level. And I thank you for helping me through it all. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God some awesome praise today. He's awesome. Thanks for joining us today. And if today's message may have impacted you or helped you in any way, give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And let us know what you think. We hope that you have a good rest of your week.